Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Welcome, I am your host today, Peter Karutz, and this is St. Joseph Radio Presents. This is our ongoing series, Evangelization Moment, with two of the three of us here. I have Ray Gerard to my right, and I do not have Matt to my left. We're not going to miss him. We, we, well, he did the intro, so that's all so good. Then he's here in spirit. That's right, that's right. And you know what? If we need him, we'll call him. So today's program, Evangelization Moments, is Mercy and Joy. Mercy and Joy. We're going to invite you to, after the break, to call in with some story of mercy. But we kind of combine mercy and joy because what are we doing? We're... We, we, we use those words so often. We really do. But in so much of what we do in life, man, we, we really would like some mercy. <laughs> and we ought to live with joy. Some, some folks will say one of the signs of the Holy Spirit is a joyful, joyful heart. You know, it reminds me of people who are complaining that they're not, you know, I, I should have gotten this and I should have gotten that. Well, you know what? I, I often say I'm glad I don't get what I deserve. So that's God's mercy. I know, I know I am. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And we need to be joyful, too. You know, a couple of years ago, I heard a talk by Scott Hahn, and <clears throat> one of the things he was talking about is marriage and why marriages fail, go on the rocks and stuff. And one of the things that he said, and he did it in a very statistical fashion, it was well studied, he said that couples sometimes don't laugh anymore. They don't have fun, you know? You get so caught up with the, 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 you know, the raising of children and the running to work, and, and they forget to have fun. So we're going to have a little fun today, too, we just as a little bit of surprise. So mercy and joy. We're going to talk a little bit about St. Joseph, because it was his solemnity yesterday. Just a small little solemnity. It's he's, a big thing. He's not a, is he a big thing? Is he a big guy in the, the Catholic faith? Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess he's the uh, yeah, patron I think, saint. I think, I think you're right. Patron saint to the Universal Church. That's okay. That that's that's pretty good. That's good, right? That's pretty good. Yeah, and I think Benedict uh, Saint uh, Saint Pope Benedict added him to one of the Eucharistic prayers, so we hear him all the time. And we're at this place called Saint Joseph Radio. Oh yeah. So it's sort of a big <laughs> thing for us. Oh, oh, and this is the year of Saint Joseph, right? That too. Oh man, it's yeah. all coming together. Yeah, no kidding. So anyway, we got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. So divine mercy, divine mercy, uh, mercy and joy, and of course, divine mercy is a cause, is a reason to be joyful. But divine mercy. I mean, how many people have heard of Saint Faustina and her diary and this whole idea of divine mercy? Perhaps you've seen. The Divine Mercy image, which is a picture of Christ with rays of light coming forth from his heart, uh, you know, white light and red light, signifying mercy. This is a tremendous uh, 
gift, a tremendous vision given to St. Faustina in Poland in the 1930s. Poland was a very active place in the, in, back in the 1930s. I mean, you had, had St. Faustina. You had St. Maximilian Kolbe. Oh, yeah. And, you know, now Saint John, uh, Pope St. John Paul II as That's well. That's right. Uh, so, you know, something very spiritual and very blessed was happening in Poland in the 1930s. And, of course, Poland was going to be the scene just, you know, a decade later, well, not even a decade later, starting in 1939, of some of the, you know, worst atrocities in mm-hmm. World War II. But, uh, and maybe that's, of course, why God chose to, to make it a place where, you know, he showered some of his graces in abundance. And they needed it. You know, but there's this message that comes forth from her diary, which is that there is this tremendous love that Christ has, a tremendous yearning. We don't think of Christ as someone who has yearning, someone who desires, mm. but he has a tremendous desire, a tremendous burning desire to give us mercy. Yeah. And so, you know, you would say, well, you know, if, if he's got this desire to give us mercy, what's, you know, then he can just simply give it to us. But we do have to ask it. We do have to seek it. We do have to turn to him. You know, and he said, one of the things he told St. Faustina is, let the sinner not be afraid, not be afraid. Again, that, you know, be not afraid. How many times does that appear in, in the Bible? 365. That's all. Uh, let the exactly. Sin, let the sinner not be afraid to approach me. The flames of mercy are burning me, clamoring to be spent. I want to pour them out upon these souls. What a tremendous message uh, for us to for us to hear. And and you know, in this season of Lent, we're told to focus on sin, sinfulness. You know, uh, for our remorse. You know, be remorseful. Think about our sins. Be regretful. Focus on our sinfulness, which is something that the culture today tells us nothing about. You know, we're almost told never to even, you know, think along those lines at all. But, but what's the flip side of that message of focusing on, remembering, bringing to our mind, um, being sorry for our sins? What's the flip side of that? The flip side of that is if you do that, there's mercy that waits for you. There you go. And, you know, this is a message, St. Faustina, as we're talking about mercy, this is a message that should never have gotten out. This is a cloistered <laughs> nun in, the, in, a, in Poland. And, you know, why should we even know about her? And what did the church think about her while she was alive? Well, they weren't really jumping on the bandwagon. So a little story about mercy and St. Faustina. So she's being interviewed by this bishop. And the bishop is dubious, uh, professional skepticism about her actually having these elocutions, right? So he's testing her. So he said to her, well, the next time you talk to—you want to prove this to me? Next time you talk to Jesus, you asked him what I confessed at my last confession. (laughs) So St. Faustina says, okay. So I thought it said you're not supposed to test your God. There's, we're talking about that bishop, right? Okay, <laughs> don't don't let, don't let me criticize a bishop uh, on the air. So here we go. So he she goes, she asks Jesus, comes back, and the bishop says, "Well, did you ask Jesus?" She says, "Yes, I did." And what did I confess? And says Saint Faustina looks at him and she says, "Jesus said he forgot." Ha, <laughs> But I think that's so very telling because our Lord forgives us fully and completely. And when we go to confession, I've spoken to a lot of priests about this because I, you know, we, we, we on the other side of the confessional have all kinds of worries and angst and whatnot. 
But one of the things these priests say is that uh, many of them say, all of them, as far as I can remember, is that they gave, they have this great gift of forgetfulness, right? When you walk out, they're gone. My pastor, who has passed away now, Father Valls, I remember going to confession with him. And when I would walk in, he was reading a book. I would kneel down or sit down, actually, give my confession, you know, his curl his toes and this, you know, just make him crazy, whatever. And and then he would he would give me absolution. And as I was walking out, he would go back to his book. In other words, it's it's a forgetfulness, right? And it's an intentional forgetfulness. Father Augustine, who's in here all the time, he 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 says that sometimes he would, you know, he has a spiritual direction, as many of us do. I wish I did. And then he would go to confession. And he says, you know, he says, as soon as I finish confession, I get up, I'm walking out, and he says, Father, geez, what, what did you just give me for penance? You know, as soon as he gave it to me, I forgot. And you know what his confessor would say? I don't know. Because there is such a wall, such a separation between life on the outside and confession. A priest may not, under any circumstances, did I say any circumstances? Any circumstances, divulge, imply, use, Anything that's said in the confessional under any circumstances, it is private. It's a sacred trust. It's a sacred trust under all circumstances. So if you go to confession, know that there's going to be two people forgetting what you said. I've got, <laughs> I've got um, there's a, a tremendous uh, confession story that comes to mind. We were on a religious pilgrimage at one point, and uh, there was a gentleman who had um, a tremendous conversion experience. And he um, then took it upon himself as his life's work to uh, establish a place where religious priests and nuns could come to this pilgrimage site and uh, stay for free. Yeah. Well. And he was a very wealthy man. Um, he had uh, run a successful business, lots of money. Um, and uh, he um, then recounts a lot of things in his life where he just committed all kinds of, of sinful things. And he had children, and they were all living sinful lives. They, so the whole family was broken. And then at one point, he had a conversion. And so he goes to a priest for confession. And he says, and he was telling this, so we're on this religious pilgrimage, and we're in a group of about 40 people. And he's standing up telling his conversion story to our little group. And there were about half a dozen priests in the room, and he asked them to come to the front of the room. Well, maybe there were 50 people there. But anyways, ask the priest to come to the front of the room. And so they come up to the front of the room. And they're standing next to him as he's, as he's telling this part of the story. And he says, uh, so I went to confession. And I poured out 35 years of mortal sin. Wow. <laughs> he, says that, he says it took a long time. Yeah. You know, it, was a, it was a lengthy confession. But he poured out years and years and years of mortal sin. Then he said, do you know what the priest said to me when I got when I finally got done? Yeah, well. He said, "I absolve you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, the Holy yeah, Spirit." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, "Who has the power to do that?" I mean, this man now understood in his prior life he wouldn't have, but after his conversion, he understood the eternal significance of that event. That you know, that, that huge, massive, the, the massive significance of that event. And he said, who has the power to do that? And as he said that, 
He grasped the hands of the, of the priest on his left and the priest on his right, asked them to hold hands as well. And I, there was about six priests, so the seven of them. Then he raised up his hands. They all did as well. And he said to the crowd, these are the men who have the power to do that. And uh, it was just a tremendous, moving uh, experience. And one of the priests who was with us on that pilgrimage, who was in that group, then came home and instituted like daily confession at his parish. Yeah, look at that. Um, the power of confession, the mercy is available. It's tremendous mercy. It's life-changing mercy, but you have to ask for it. You do, and that's that pesky free will that our Lord has given us. You can't love someone without free will. You can't say, I'm sorry, without free will, or else it doesn't mean a whole lot. Oh, and by the way... Um, that's an act of faith when you do. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and by the way, just as an aside, I've been told this by a, a thousand times by priests... Don't think you're ever going to say something that surprises a priest in confession. <laughs> they've heard it before. Yeah, you think your sin is all that bad, right? Well, they've heard it all before, probably six times that day. So, look, you're, you're not going to surprise them. Uh, they're there for one reason, to, to stand in the stead of Christ, to act in persona Christi and give you peace and pardon and I think those are the words. I it may, you know, grant mm-hmm. you peace and mm-hmm. pardon for your sins. And the reality, of course, in the confession booth is that behind, above, whatever, uh, right there with the priest is, of course, Christ himself. Absolutely. And the message that he gave St. Faustina is he's burning with desire to extend those mercies, to act through the priests, to absolve people of their sins, to grant them this this tremendous benefit. He's burning with desire to do it. So I'll just remind everyone that this is a program that we are calling Mercy and Joy. So we're going to have mercy. We're going to have some joy here too. And this is an ongoing series. Every third Saturday, the, the three of us, and we'll, we'll point to our empty chair here, we get together and we talk about evangelization moments. Why? Because we as Catholics, as baptized men and women in the church, have a calling to be evangelists, to be witnesses to the faith. This is not just the job of, of, of uh, priests and bishops with fancy hats and zucchettas and, and uh, croziers. This is your job, and this is my job to share the faith. And we do it in simple ways, too. I got a story about vacation, which we'll tell you about in a minute. But first, I'm going to remind you all that this is St. Joseph. Radio presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. You know why they do that? They call it the Rome of the West. Tell us, Peter. I will. The Rome of the West. I am Peter Karutz, and we're here with Ray Gerard, and we're talking about mercy and joy. Mercy and joy. So I don't know if you, you know this, but I'm an accountant, and Ray's a lawyer. So I'm going to throw some some joy in. Do you, do you know what, what you get when you... And you get a, an accountant and a lawyer together. You get evangelization moments? You get evangelization moments, right, right. So this engineer actually dies and goes up to heaven, and he meets St. Peter at the pearly gates. And uh, St. Peter looks at his list, and he says, geez, I'm sorry, but this is unusual. You're not, you're not on the list. He says, What? He says, no, no, you're not, you're not in here. I don't know what's going on. You're an engineer, right? Yeah, I'm an engineer. 
I don't understand it, but you're not on the list. You're going to have to go south. So he, he calls up the devil. He says, I got one here for you. And the engineer saying, well, what's going on? I don't understand this. Well, how, how in the world can be? Did, 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 have you ever had an engineer not make it? No, never had an engineer not make it. Anyway, so the devil collects him. He goes down. Anyway, so the, the engineer gets down to hell, and it's hot. And, you know, fire and brimstone and, and whatnot. And the engineer says, well, this is no good. So the first thing he does is he builds an air conditioner. And, and gets things cooled down a little bit. And now it's cooled down, but it's still rocky and ugly there. And so he, he puts a fertilizing and an irrigation program together. And now he's got green fields. And he says, you know, I used to really enjoy playing golf. So then he puts in a golf course and a spa and then all these mountains they have to climb. Well, he put in, he built escalators and things are going well. Well, anyway, St. Peter calls down to the devil and he says, you know, we had a little mistake up here. Actually, that engineer does belong up here. Would you just, just put him in the elevator and send him back up? The devil says, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Do you know what this guy's done down here? He says, I'm not sending I'm keeping him. He says, no, look, look, he, he's really in the book. He's got to be going, going upstairs. Send him upstairs. The devil said, no, I'm not going to. St. Peter says, you know, you don't send him up, I'll sue you. <laughs> and the devil says, yeah, right, where are you going to find a lawyer in heaven? <laughs> well, yeah, there's this. <laughs> so I picked on you. you, you so. Part of joy is having a little bit of fun, right? And at my expense. Well, you know, that's go ahead. That's, tell, that's all right. That's tell, all right. Tell an accounting joke. I don't. I, I, I don't. I, I know one. So, but it's not funny. <laughs> is that, maybe that's because accountants aren't funny. Uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. So anyway, we, we we have to have fun in our lives, and part of it is laughing at ourselves too, right? Laughing at ourselves. It's one of the most important things we can do. In marriage as well, Scott Hahn gave a talk, and well-researched guy, right? I mean, he doesn't just fly off the cuff. And he said one of the reasons, one of the larger reasons that marriages fail, aside from not giving mercy, forgiving each other, is they stop having fun, right? Sounds so simple, but we need to have fun. We need to forgive each other. We need to have fun. Yeah, God wants us to have fun. Yeah. Not too much, but but fun. Just a little bit. (laughs) Um, now that's, uh, you know, that, that's true. And, and sometimes people do forget to do that. You just get caught up in all of your, your daily activities all the time. And, uh, yeah, you need to, you need to stop. You need to stop and have a little fun every once in a while. And let me tell you about something else that's a little fun. And I'll, I'll mention this, uh, later on as well. We're going to have the Catholic man of the year again this year. Uh, it's, uh, the nominations are actually open right now and you can go to, www.saint, that's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net, S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net, and download an application for the Catholic Man of the Year, or you can call us at 636-447-6000. We'll be happy to send one to you. Now, let me tell you, if you know a good Catholic man, you need to nominate him. And let me tell you what he'll say when you say you're going to nominate him. He says, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. (laughs) Universally, that's what they all say. But we need good men to be good examples to, to us, right? We need more good men in this world. And nominating a good man provides an example to all of us. So please think about it. And and nominate a man from your parish, your organization. Nominate two. And that's why we have the saints. And that's why that's so, right. That's why we have the saints, because we need models. And that's why St. Joseph is one of, uh, such an important saint. He's a model for all husbands and fathers. And, uh, you know, in these days, we need a model more than more than ever, perhaps, for good fathers and uh, and husbands. So, yeah, I mean, uh, 
you know, I've attended those events, the, the Catholic Man of the Year dinners for a number of years now. And it's, I remember the first one that I attended. Yeah. And it was <clears throat> amazing because to see all these men coming up and to see, um, you know, short summaries of a lot of the things they do uh, to give back, the things they volunteer for, uh, the reasons why they get nominated. It is such an uplifting um, experience to just know there are so many men out there doing so many uh, good things based on their faith. And you just don't hear about them. And, and a you, lifetime and, of them, yeah. And you don't know about them. And uh, it makes you, you know, want to go out and do, you know, do some things yourself. Doesn't it? Yeah, let me read you some names. Re- and first one was Randy Eaton in 2016. Then you had Charles Shearer in 17, Michael Lamb in 18, Rich Chrismer in 19, who I we both have interviewed a number of times. What an amazing man. And then just last year we had... Brad Rigdon. So maybe you'll be the next one, but certainly nominate somebody. It, it's good for you. It's good for your parish. Maybe you're in a men's group. Maybe you're in the Knights of Columbus. Uh, maybe you're in the Knights of Peter Claver. Whatever it might be, nominate a good man and get it at saintjosephradio.net or call us at 636-447-6000. By all means, do it. Do it. And there's something else we ought to advertise and mention, right? Yeah, I what? Um, oh yeah, forty days for life. Forty days for life, and that is ongoing as we speak at this moment. The, actually, my parish, uh, Incarnate Word, uh, our day is today, and we're down at uh, Forest Park at Planned Parenthood, um, praying. And you know what? For a while there, it ended. Right for a while yeah, there, right, right. there were no more uh, abortions. Part of e- these evangelization moments, if you will, are would be our personal witness. So if you can, go down there, spend an hour, say the rosary. You'll, you'll um, be quietly at prayer with a lot of different people. And there's some sidewalk counselors there as well. Yeah, I think you were a sidewalk counselor before. Uh, I was as yeah. well. Um, so for a while, I used to go there. Like I started off with 40 Days for Life. And uh, you can just go out there and be on the sidewalk, hold a sign. And, you know, perhaps you affect somebody who's coming into the clinic. Perhaps you simply are, uh, you know, uh, something for people driving by to see, just to, just to know that there are people out there that care about it enough, that they're going to spend their time, that they're going to stand out there. That sends a message, and it's important. And so for a while, I, I did that um, for about a year. And then after that, I took the training. There's training that's required to become right. an actual counselor right. where you can actually – uh, approach the people in the cars that are pulling in and uh, try to you know, encourage them um, to be aware of the other alternatives that are available to them. There are, there's a host of different resources that people provide free uh, if people want to take advantage of them. And so these people do great work, and they need your support. And the sidewalk counselors, they really appreciate having other people stand out there with them. Um, so to pray, which is important, to pray there to, and just simply to support them. Uh, so anybody can come and do that. You're not going to you know, be a sidewalk counselor from, from day one. You can uh, perhaps if you're, you know, if you're motivated, you can do that as well uh, after you get some training and such. But just to go out there during this. Be a witness. Just be a witness you know, before Easter while these 40 days are still going on. Go out there, do it, stand up for life. Our, and our society really needs that. You talk about evangelizing, if I can say the word. If you talk about that, sending out a message, 
that sends out a message. And it sends out the most important message. There's a reason why the U.S. Uh, Catholic bishops have said abortion is the preeminent issue in our society. Yeah. If we can take the lives of our vulnerable young, we can do anything which transgresses God-given rights of other people. It is a foundational corner, I mean, it's, it's a cornerstone of, really, um, the devil's work. Yeah. Uh, so go out there, send a message, um, yeah, help help evangelize. And just being there and being a witness. But, you know, I saw a YouTube of a congressional hearing. I think it was state Congress because I didn't recognize the congressman. And the director of that clinic was being interviewed. It was a five-minute interview, and it was nothing short of shocking. And this, this uh, congressman asked her um, how many abortions they perform over there a year. It's over 5,000 a year. Oh. Do the math on how many days of the week there are, and they don't work on Sundays, I don't think. Yeah. So think about that. Secondly, he asked her how many abortions she actually performed. And yeah. she very flippantly said, well, I don't know how many hysterectomies I did. I don't know how many abortions. And then he said, what is the oldest child that you aborted? Ooh. And she said, I don't know. Oh. And, he, and then he said, well, if I use the word fetus, will that help you remember? She says, no, I don't know. Well, tell me, I mean, in terms of weeks or size, she says, I don't know how I would begin to answer this. Obviously, this is completely disingenuous. Mm -hmm. And then he says, at what point would you not abort a baby? And she says, by law, I am not allowed to abort a child um, beyond viability. So if the child is viable, I can't do it. He says, well, when is that? He says, we don't know. <laughs> and then he said this. He said, you won't, you won't answer any of these questions. He says, you know, that, that gives me some hope. <laughs> and, and we're all, and, and everyone's looking at it and says, I, you won't answer these questions because you know that yes. it would really hurt people. It would really probably hurt your sensibilities. Right. You have some remorse about what you are saying <laughs> and doing. Totally turned it around. And But that is the reality over there. The reality is that they are absolutely killing children, and uh, we need to stand up for it. We have, and, and don't think that you're going to be greeted in a, in a nice fashion. <laughs> a lot of people drive by and, and give you the honk and but the a thumbs lot, up. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people they do, do that. But there's other people right. who, don't, uh, who are not too keen about having you there. But that's good. You know, look, if you're going to be persecuted for Christ's sake, you might as, you might as well. That's a badge of joy. We're going to take a quick break, uh, about two minutes. This just gives you enough time to go out and tell your friends to join in. We're also going to ask you to call in after the break if you have some stories of mercy. There's got to be a thousand of them out there. We might tell another Catholic joke or two. I hope I don't get fired for that. But no lawyer jokes. But no, law no more lawyer jokes. We're done with lawyer jokes. And we're going to look for a good good uh, accountant joke. But that's, that's a lost cause. It'll never happen. <laughs> so go out, tell a friend, tell them to join us. We're having a good time and we're making, uh, doing a lot of good. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, 
and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record-keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call, area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri, including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, Go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Welcome back to St. Joseph Radio Presents. This is Peter Karutz, and I'm here with Ray Gerard, and this is Evangelization Moments. And the name of our program today is Mercy and Joy, both of them. Hey, let me just remind you that the ongoing speaker series, which we do every year during Lent, uh, there's one more speaker, the finale on the 26th, which would be Friday. It's Father Anthony Gerber. He's from Sacred Heart Parish in Florissant, and his topic is Our Lady of Fatima and Lent. How about that? That's going to be at St. Angela Marisi. St. Angela Marisi, it starts right after the stations, which begin at 7 o'clock in the evening. Friday, 7 o'clock in the evening, evening. St. Angela Marisi, that's 3860 North Highway 67. But you know what What I do? I just put it in my phone. Put in St. Angela Marisi, you're going to get there. And it's a great parish. It really is. It really is. Yeah, I really enjoy it over there. Great, great parish. So we are talking about Mercy and joy. Uh, and one of the things we didn't want to slip by on is St. Joseph, because he's sort of important. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, that's where we work, right? St. <laughs> Joseph Radio. And yesterday, some people didn't eat their fish. Why? Because it was a solemnity of St. Joseph. And this is the year of St. Joseph. So, man, it gets all... Uh, two for, that's a two-for-one deal. Yeah. And and, and St. Joseph was declared the patron saint of the universal church, right? So we got that. Pope Benedict added him to the Eucharistic prayer. He's everywhere. For a guy who never says anything, he sure is everywhere. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about it is that, you know, we're talking about divine mercy. We're talking about a saint by the name of St. Faustina. Yes, yes. We're also talking about St. Joseph. Well, the two of them... Uh, they have a connection. No. <laughs> yes, they do. So uh, in one of the um, uh, mystical experiences that she had in her diary, she says that she got a visit from St. Joseph. And he urged me to have a constant devotion to him. He himself told me to recite three prayers, the Our Father, Hail Mary, and Glory Be, and the Memorare. And he told her to do that once every day. She says, he looked at me with great kindness and gave me to know how much he is supporting this work of mercy, this message that she was going to, that she was charged with of, of spreading this message of divine mercy. 
He has promised me this special help and protection. I recite the requested prayers every day and feel his special protection. He's this guy that you never hear about. You never have, you know, we never hear him saying anything. We know nothing about him. And yet we know that there was this, this man, St. Joseph. Uh, we know that he was a, a, a father to, to Jesus, that Jesus obeyed him mm-hmm. as his earthly father. And we know that he must have, you know, uh, had such, you know, great um, compassion and love in his heart uh, to be, you know, one of the three figures in this holy family. And here we have him, according to the mystical experience of, of St. Faustina, of being a person with such great kindness and somebody that she relied on and turn, you know, turned to for support and always, you know, uh, prayed and, and, and trusted. Um, and that's what we can do. You know, you can turn to him. You can ask for his help. And, um, you know, a lot of people have experienced, you know, great assistance through these through a novena to St. Joseph or to praying to St. Joseph. He is there. There's a reason why he was named, as you said, you know, the patron saint of the universal church. He's there for us. Yeah. He's there for us. You know, as a young father, uh, so my children are 24, almost 25, and 21, almost 22. But um, when I was young, I used to go for runs fairly often, and I would say the rosary while I ran, which is good, right? Except I didn't know the mysteries. <laughs> and what I did is I sort of I, I made up St. Joseph mysteries because I really felt I, like I was identifying with them. I was a new father. I didn't know what I was doing. And it it's seems all, it's like, all good. Yeah, and it seemed like he had such great trust. And so I kind of reflected on instances in his life where he had great faith. I mean, what a man of faith, I mean, a good and righteous man, right? Uh, that's what we say. You know, I, I, I thought about he was getting married, and he finds Mary is expecting. What does he do? He believes the angel, right? He, he gets married, and what's the first thing? Some crazy king wants to have him counted, so he has to take this long trip. Anyone who's had a pregnant wife, you don't want to take a trip on a donkey 100 miles to, to go somewhere, but has to go somewhere to be counted. And his, you know, he delivers this child in a, in a, in a barn, right? Then, then another, that same crazy king wants to kill the boy. So now, he, now, now God actually sends Joseph through the message of an angel, a carpenter, into the desert, into Egypt to make a living and support them. I'm like, where does it end, right? Anyway, then he has great faith and he comes back. But the last one that I think about, and I think maybe all of us fathers identify with St. Joseph in this fashion, is he died. You know, as a father, we think that we provide for our family, that our family, we, that's our obligation. You know, our obligation is to work and guide and, and, and grow and, and keep them safe, keep our family safe. And Joseph, all the more, right? He's got Mary, for goodness sakes, and, and, and the Son of God. And to die before your job is over, I think that's, that's one of his titles, right? The joy of a happy death. Because maybe we need to remember as fathers that... It isn't us. It's God who provides. We're the vehicle, but God loves our wives and our children infinitely more than we do. Infinitely more than we do. So yeah. Joseph is a great man for us fathers to reflect on and to identify with. Yeah. And, you know, what you were talking about is a man who must have had tremendous courage. 
Oh, my goodness, yeah. Um, and what a model that is um, for men, for anybody today. Uh, he's told, you know, this, this woman that he's, he's going to marry. Is married to. He is married at that time. Well, but before, the, you know, he wanted to, did he, uh, he did, what, did he want so to in the Jewish, So in the Jewish, tra- you can't divorce someone you're not married to. So in this <laughs> Jewish tradition, <laughs> well, yes. Joseph and Mary were married. And when he talks about putting her away, right, divorcing her quietly, first off, you can't divorce someone you're not married to. That really would have been a humiliation for him mm-hmm. because he would be abandoning his own child in the eyes of the Jewish faith. So... He knew they hadn't come together yet. She knew it, but the world didn't know that. And he, you know, he was, and why did he do it? He, he did that. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. That's he, right. he did That's that right. because he, I mean, think about it. I mean, we've all been in the presence of a saint, right? Of a, of a very holy person. You can't help but be changed. Imagine if your best friend is Mary, the sinless person. You love her, right? You, you, you're going to spend your life together with her. She must have changed him. He believed that he would sooner believe that Mary is being is, is expecting a baby by some supernatural event rather than believe that she had sinned. And so why was he going to walk away? Not because he believed that Mary did anything wrong, but because he at that time believed that perhaps he that God has a plan and he didn't see his he didn't see himself in that plan. So he was humbly going to walk away. So I I think that we all have to remember that Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus, Joseph and Mary were actually married. That's why he was going to divorce her. But it wasn't out of a sense of anger. It was out of a sense of humility. Mm. Well, uh, but when he's, when then he decides that he's not going to do that. Right. You know, what's he, what's he looking at at that point? What's in, what's in front of him? Yeah. And to decide to do this anyway uh, must have taken great courage. Oh, yeah. Whatever's going to come. Comes. You know, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, as you described, you know, being, being told you have, to, you have to flee your homeland and go to Egypt and mm. so forth. Mm. Um, what's, you know, what's, what's down the road there? What's going to face you there? Don't know. Uncertainty. But the courage to go through it anyway and the trust, as you mentioned also, in, in the Lord that he will provide and he'll take care so all those features, among others, I mean, yeah, kindness, courage, trust, faith. Yeah, what a model. What a model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I think, remember, this is evangelization moments. And I just think we ought to remember that every little thing we do is a witness. Uh, my, my wife and I just got back from vacation. And this, uh, uh, this room we had had a balcony, and not a balcony, but a patio. And we would sit out there and do our reflections and, and whatnot. And we talked about faith and whatnot. But what we didn't realize is that the next door folks, they had a patio as well. And you could hear everything that goes over the top. So one, uh, one afternoon, the couple from next door comes over and he says, you're Catholic, aren't you? And, and just being, <laughs> being called out, as being, he says, we are too. <laughs> Ooh, in secret, you got <laughs> In secret, you know. But you know what? That's good. You know, that's what we need to do, these various moments. We need to make sure that folks know who we are and what our faith is. Yeah. Uh, if you all haven't gone down to Planned Parenthood, uh, the, we're in the midst of the 40 days for life. I don't know if your parish has a, a day that is dedicated, that is exclusive to you all, but it isn't exclusive. Go down, spend an hour. I know I've done that in, you know, in, um, um, what, what am I trying to say? Uh, uh, 
now and then um, without an appointment, if you will. You don't have to sign up. Go down there. Say the rosary. Walk, you know, walk the street with some folks. Yeah. Witness. Yeah. Be a witness. And, um, yeah, not necessarily always so easy. So, um, you know, you talked about, you know, these people being reluctant but then eventually coming to you and say, hey, we're Catholic too. Yeah. There's almost like a, a fear uh, that people can experience nowadays. And why is that? Well, you know, the funny thing is um, my daughter just told me a story that she experienced. She was working at a, at a restaurant. She's in college now and uh, was also working uh, at a restaurant. On Ash Wednesday, she got ashes. Good for her. And, um, you know, here, you know, we just got ashes, you know, sprinkled on our head. Apparently, they actually, um, as tradition, you know, has it. They, I mean, as well, as as we, you know, have practiced in, in tradition recently— you actually make the cross with the ashes on someone's forehead. And yes. They, and they did it with apparently a Q-tip. So, yeah, but yeah. They, but they did it anyway. Good. So she shows up for work at this at this restaurant with these ashes on her forehead in the shape of a cross. And apparently her manager harassed her. What? Yeah, yeah. And uh, just asked her some some questions. Yeah, well, what happened if, uh, you know, would it be the same if I took you outside and— you know, took some mud and put it on, you know, on your forehead and this and that. And, you know, it, it, it was— It was a teaching it, moment. It was like, okay, well, he's not serious, but, you know, there's, there's an aggressiveness in that. Well, what yeah. happened—you know, if I, you know, if I yeah. did this to you and, and, and there was a—you know, the tone of voice always speaks volumes and there was a hostility and there was that question and other questions. And, you know, to the point where she's recounting the story and— Okay, maybe you know Saint Joseph has great passion, uh, kindness, and compassion. Me, I was feeling a little bit of anger. I was like, oh, well, I wish I was there, you know. Um, but uh, but we can find that and experience that, and 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 run into people that have problems with your Catholic faith. If you're walking around with ashes on your forehead, that's a big symbol. Look, let me tell you a story, and I think this is right on point. There is an old story about uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen on an airplane. And he's, you know, he's in uniform, right? And the lady next to him is just ripping him one, just criticizing him personally, criticizing the church, hardly taking—he didn't say a word. He's just sitting there and just ripping him one, right? When she finally stops and takes a breath, Archbishop looked at her with great kindness in his eyes and said— so how young were you when you had your abortion? Yes, yes. And, and then she completely broke down. I, I'll tell you, I, I have had a few bad experiences when we talked about faith with people and strangers. The overwhelming majority of it is just incredible. People are dying to talk about faith. They really are. But the few that go badly, the few that have, I guarantee you, and I guarantee you that's what's going on with this manager of your daughter's, there is some great hurt, some great guilt, something that's gnawing away at them. And good for your daughter to show up, to to bring this up and out. And that's the first step. That is the evangelization moment. Just the power of the cross, right? The power of the cross, just the quiet, silent symbol of the cross. And what's, what's the situation with a lot of people uh, who have been pronounced atheists or pronounced opponents of the church, you'll find in a lot of their stories, they don't have a good father figure. They've, right. They've been hurt. Right, right. And what they, 
And that's that's a that's a not uncommon feature. That's a very you know re- relatively common feature. They don't have a good father figure. They don't have a good family situation. They don't feel loved. But beyond that, later on in life, often enough, they tend to justify opposition to the church because they regard the church as this you know draconian institution that preaches all of these severe you know restraints on people, and that there's no forgiveness. That you know you, you know. All Catholics, you know, will tell you is you do this, you do this, you, you do this bad thing, you do this sin, you do everything's a sin. You do this, you do that. You're going to go to hell. You're going to get punished. You know, it's all negative. It's all bad. And what, however, is the message that we get from Saint Faustina? Yeah, they don't apparently appreciate. Maybe they haven't heard the message that there is this divine mercy. What a difference image do you have if? You understand that the founder and the head of his church on earth is burning with desire to grant you mercy. Whatever hurt you're feeling, if you come to him and give it to him, he can heal it. That's a much different message, a much different image of the Catholic Church. And maybe part of our role as evangelists is to spread that message. It is. And this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Krutz, and we are here with Ray Gerard live. And this is Evangelization Moments, our ongoing series, every third Saturday. Uh, today we're talking about mercy and joy, and they sort of go together uh, a, a little bit. And... Um, I thought you were a professional. I, I'm not. I just one of the bad things I do is I, I hit the wrong thing, I click on the wrong thing, and I, I wish I didn't. Uh, I and I think I interrupted you at the end. What you were? I was no. I was I was actually done with that. Uh, but there's, I mean, I, there's much more to talk about when it comes to divine mercy. Uh, just a, a personal experience is is um, is this one. Um, my mom. When my mom passed away, there was a connection with divine mercy. And um, my mom suffered through a lot of things uh, through her life. Um, my father was a, a severe uh, and angry and violent alcoholic. Uh, and, you know, he, um, he didn't want to be that way, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, but he was tortured. He, you know, he was troubled. Um, and he, you know, sought release like so many people do and some kind of substance that they abuse. Um, but, uh, in any event, um, she suffered, uh, for many, many years. And, um, until finally, uh, when her time came, um, and I knew that her time was, was really at hand, I went to Eucharistic Adoration and Mm -hmm. I prayed and it was about noon on a Saturday. And this was the eve of Divine Mercy Sunday. And I spent an hour in prayer. And I had uh, kind of a it was a it was a um, odd mystical experience that when I was looking at the host, I saw a red dot in the center of the host. Is that right? Yeah, and um, and I kind of questioned what that meant. And right. the only thing that came to mind was that it was a drop of blood. That it signified a drop of blood. Sure, it signified a drop. I mean, of blood. I mean, that the host is, of course. Uh, the body, blood, soul, and divinity. And uh, if you take the host and don't take the wine, it doesn't matter. Right. Both, both species are present. 
Christ is entirely present in the Eucharist. And so, of course, why wouldn't uh, a drop of blood be present in the Eucharist? There are many stories of Eucharistic miracles where, you know, the host will bleed you to Lanciano, sure, sure. Buenos Aires, um, Aires yeah. so many of them. And so it, the only thing that I could think of was that it signified a drop of, of Christ's blood. What would that mean? His suffering, the suffering of Christ. And as I prayed for my mom, you know, <laughs> I had this image of Christ, you know, suffering. And what, for, for her? I mean, what a beautiful, what a, be- <laughs> what a beautiful uh, message, if I'm interpreting this correctly. Anyways, so that was about an hour that was around noon on a Saturday afternoon. Well, I then returned to our house, over my sister's house, where my mom was, was there at the time. And the family was all gathered around. And we said the chaplet. What chaplet? Why well, her bedside there at the moment that she was passing. Wow. We said the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Yeah. And uh, she died around 3 o'clock wow. that afternoon. And so then I went back to the Adoration Chapel later, um, and it was um, right at midnight. I wanted to write, wait until it was Divine Mercy Sunday. Yeah. And I was there doing another hour of adoration um, from, uh, it was like 1130 to 1230. Um, so when, it, when I stopped that hour, it was, it was Divine Mercy Sunday. And no matter how hard I tried uh, to re-experience what had happened the day before, well, just hours before, actually, like, you know, not you know, only 12 hours before. Um, I, you know, I couldn't get that same image. I couldn't get anything of the same feeling. Yeah. It was one of those moments. All I got, well, yeah, but I got a different feeling. Oh, did you? Yeah. And the feeling was, I looked at the plain white host, and now it was peace. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to see another drop of blood. I wasn't going to see suffering, because now there was no more need for, su- for that. Um, that she was now in his care, and it was just a message of peace. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I mean, do I have any proof of what I saw? No. Um, you, know, get, you know, am I interpreting this correctly? I'm not sure. Uh, but the feelings I have uh, were the ones I just recounted. One yeah. was Christ suffering for her, and another one was peace. Yeah, and that's what that isn't that what Christ said when he came after the resurrection and he met his apostles. He says, "Peace be with you." Right, and I think that one thing we should remember. I don't know if you remember our uh, gospel a couple of weeks ago was the prodigal son, and it's always the same stuff. Stuff, right? You know, our Lord, you know, God the Father is the this Father in the story, right? But our, uh, God allows us these free free will to do right, to do wrong, whatever it is, but. And when you think of the prodigal son, you sometimes think, well, I identify with the good son. Oh, I identify with the bad son, whatever it is. But the, the thing that really gets me as we talk about mercy is when that son who had started coming back, when he was, as the gospel says, a long, far off, he was a long, far away off, the father caught sight of him and he ran to meet him. So our, our Lord is not just waiting for you to give you mercy. He right. is running. He the is same desire as what's told here to St. Faustina. The absolutely same, the right. Same desire. 
Absolutely right. It is a it is a great desire of 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 God to give you peace, right? And and that's what they say in confession. And we've said it before. Uh, I grant you pardon and peace. If you try to uh, contemplate who is Christ, if you meditate on the identity of Christ, who really is He? And if you imagine all of the sin that you've done during your entire life being washed completely clean, I think you then have some idea of the identity of Christ and who he is and what he is. I mean, anybody who would come here and suffer a horrible death for our sins, uh, that's what he's about. He's about taking away our sins, the sins of the world, all sin. Um, And so this message of divine mercy really tells us you know, I mean, it, it, it reiterates and tells us this, 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 this understanding that we need to have of who Christ is. Yeah. Nothing yeah. less. Nothing less. And we are, as we wrap up this segment, you know, you have been talking a little bit about adoration. We're still in Lent. Hey, if you haven't done adoration, if it's not part of your normal uh, devotions, go and spend an hour. You will not believe how, first off, how fast it goes and how peaceful it is. So I can't, it's not something I can describe to you adequately. I think Ray did a great job, but come spend an hour with the Lord. And secondly, we've been talking about mercy and Divine Mercy Sunday. Divine Mercy Sunday is the first Sunday after Easter. So let's remember about that. If you have a, if you know a good Catholic man that you can, um, Nominate for Catholic Man of the Year. Please give us a ring. Look up St. Joseph Radio on the internet and get the form. And come on, uh, invite him. Bend his arm. Tell him he has to do it. You know, we never prayed. How about a memorari? Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit, Amen. Amen. Remember, Remember, most gracious Virgin Virgin Mary, that never was it known that that anyone that fled to your protection, protection, implored thy help, or sought sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you. Virgin. Oh, virgin. <laughs> virgin of virgins, our mother. Before you we stand, yes, sinful and, and sorrowful, poor sons of the word incarnate. To thee do we come. Per- yeah. Uh, okay. I messed it up. I'm, I'm messing it up too. This is terrible. We'll see you next week. <laughs> You've been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.